gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. Got a guest as well for the show. It's former Strike Force and UFC middleweight champion Luke Rockhold. Although I do hold back from saying former UFC athlete because even though it sounded like he retired, well, we still don't know for sure. We plan on asking him, that's for sure. And, of course, we have an event this weekend. There's a UFC fight night here in Las Vegas. It's headlined by Alexa Grasso and Vivian Araujo. Hopefully I said that right. Lots of news to, uh, to, to cover as well. So buckle up, Chunky Nation. Because the first thing that stands out to me is they had a UFC pre, you know, like the um, the, the pre-fight interviews that they have with, with the fighters, right? So not necessarily a press conference, but, you know, all the fighters come in and, and meet with the media. Cub Swanson elected to do his uh, with his teammate uh, speaking for him. And Cub sat there with a pair of glasses on. Chewing gum, stoic, not much to it at all. Now, Cub Swanson is fighting Jonathan Martinez at 135 pounds. Cub Swanson's always fought as a 145-pounder, and he decided to go down to 135. Now, if you recall, he kind of originally wanted to do it to fight Uriah Faber. And, of course, at one point he was like, hey, maybe we can meet at 140. Uriah Faber expressed interest. The fight still hasn't happened. I don't know if it ever will happen, but I guess Cub decided to give 135 a run. However, it goes today was a little uncomfortable. Now we're close to Cub because we've known him for a long time, sponsored him back in the day. And though most people might just say, "Well, maybe Cub's goofing, having fun, you know, playing the part of uh, not a heel, but just, just you know, playing the part of the of the, the maybe the focused fighter or something like that." I saw something different. The first thing I thought of was he might be hiding something, and I hate to say that because I consider him kind of a, a friend in the sport. But nothing bad. Um, it it kind of happened to another guy that we consider a friend, Jake Ellenberger. Jake Ellenberger once went through a weight cut where his voice got really high, almost Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse-ish, you know. And I remember he was answering questions like, yeah, yeah, I expect the fight to go well this week. You know, and if you know Jake's voice, it's it's deeper, you know, sort of like mine, I suppose. Uh, neither one of us is James Earl Jones, but we just have a regular man voice. And his was really high-pitched. I asked Jake about it once. He kind of laughed about it, and then he never gave me an answer. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. But I, I think I've heard it a little bit with Dominic Cruz. And so I'm thinking either he lost his voice or maybe he had that, and he just didn't want the extra added pressure of like, hey, is this due to a bad weight cut? Because I'm not insinuating that at all. He hasn't pulled out of a fight. You know, I I, I don't know any of that. I, all I'm telling you is just what we what we all watched and what we all kind of discussed amongst our colleagues. I think, man, when it comes to Cub, there are so many different Cubs that it could be anything. It could even I could even see him saying, 
wouldn't it be funny if I just did this mm-hmm. and just did it for that? Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him saying, man, I really don't feel like, I feel like the media is just going to ask dumb questions. You do it this time. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons that why he could do that, that it's hard to really pick one. And uh, the glasses, the gum, I don't know. I, I can't remember who we uh, we talked to about this, but there are um, many, too many times where we're shocked in MMA or surprised by things. Yeah, this one was a new one. You know, I've never seen this one before, so I thought that was interesting. I said, I said oh, that that's the case. What you're I, saying, he's just having fun. Well, I don't know because the other the other way I look at it is, I feel like he probably had to clear that with the UFC. And if it was just to have fun, I don't think the UFC would have let him do it. I think they would have said, "Man, this opens up Pandora's box. Now everybody's gonna want to do something like this." Now nah, you got it. You gotta go out there and answer questions. So it could be, could be something like that, the voice or or something. I am giving a quick peruse to his file here, his resume, you know, where we look at everything that's ever happened is in his career. And I don't see a missed weight. Uh or I should say, let me phrase it different. I don't ever see a time where Cub ever missed weight. So he's golden there. But again, he was a 45er for the last 20 years, I guess. What are we in 2022? We probably met him in 2006. And by two, maybe even earlier than that, because we were watching him in the WEC and King of the Cage and all that. But um, so let's just put it at when we started the show 15 years. All right. And, but he's been fighting since 2004. 18 years, never missed weight. Oh, yeah, Tijuana, when he got carried to the to the cage because it was broken glass. <laughs> Remember that story? Yeah, the guy's back. Yeah. No, wait, you know what? It says featherweight debut here at King of the Cage, so it could be that he maybe he fought as a 55er. I don't know. Uh, for, for all I know, 135, this is the first time, at least in a long time. Never missed weight. Ironically, in the fights he's had, it doesn't appear anyone's ever missed weight on him which can sometimes be lucrative for a fighter. But um, guess who did miss weight one time when he fought Cub Swanson? Just a little side plot. My, my guess him? Yeah, if you want to. Somebody who missed weight when they fought Cub? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Charles Oliveira. Ah, okay. Yeah, and Charles Oliveira's got the fight coming up. And, of course, he's the uncrowned 155-er, king of 155, but though technically the the uh, the title is vacant and him and Islam Makashev will be competing for the vacant title. I guess this should be the first time, and it should actually be the, the, the sixth or seventh time because we're kind of green-lighted for the rest of the year to do these watch-alongs. But we did have to ask one more time just to make sure because the watch-along for UFC 280 – does take place on October 22nd, but remember, folks, we're going early in Abu Dhabi. They're going, uh, they're going live, and so it's a prime time event for them out there. So I got the start times. We might start. We might as well start addressing it now. We go on at 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturday, October 22nd. We'll be with you for those four prelims until 11 a.m. Pacific, and then at 11 p.m. Uh, a.m. Pacific. Excuse me. The pay-per-view starts, and we got five title fights. Sorry, what am I talking about? Five fights, including two title fights, including one involving Charles Oliveira for the vacant 
UFC lightweight title versus Islam Makhachev. That's the main event. So approximately going to go from about 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on October 22nd. Tell all your friends this is a different time for the watch along than we normally do. And we're definitely looking forward to it. It's a stacked card. A lot of fighters have already arrived in Abu Dhabi. Some are walking lions around. Uh, others are meeting up with former foes. But it looks like things are marching towards a solid event in uh, Abu Dhabi for UFC 280. So more on that later. We might even have a special guest. But but we at least wanted to start planting the seed for you guys to join us. Yeah, goes so Cub, uh, it only happened one time, and that was Charles Oliveira. And that was September 22, 2012. Cub beat Charles Oliveira. Uh, and then he beat Dustin Poirier after that. And then two fights later, he beat Jeremy Stevens. What a run he had at that time. You know, not to take away from that, yeah, that was pretty impressive. Can we talk about Charles Oliveira for a second? Yeah. I don't want to be Captain No Fun. Especially on this show, because I like to have fun on this show. But is it just me, or is Walking a Lion a very bad idea for many reasons? A, lions can eat you, and that is not a fun death. Uh, which, I mean, I know, obviously it would take him out of the fight, but uh, would could possibly end his career, end his life. I'm just trying to see what the, the positive is in that. You know people are going to are gonna jump on you as far as the hate groups, right? Like, hey, there's a reason why that lion's walking like that next to you because he's getting whipped, you know, every That's couple nice. hours. Uh, you're just supporting, you know, animal cruelty, all that stuff. Like, I don't understand why he did that. Somebody's got to tell him all these things, right? Yeah, and to be fair, goes, I know I'm the one that initiated that, but is it actually taking place overseas there or did this happen in brazil before he left do you know no idea but it doesn't uh, matter right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah just so we get the the point of the whole like let's not slam abu dhabi or let's not slam you know brazil in case you know whatever but yeah the the point of the matter is what is he doing um here in vegas we had an incident with siegfried and roy Two professionals who worked with uh, Tigers for years, years. And I'm sure they had a scary event or two, but everything was in line. And, uh, you know, business as usual. I'm sure they won plenty of awards, made a ton of money. And then guess what? One of them got attacked and pretty much ended his career, the show. Um, so... Can it happen? Hell yeah, it can happen. It happens all the time. We see this with um, the the orca whales, like at your sea worlds or marine lands that just kind of, you know, flip out. And instead of jumping up in the air with the guy on top of them, they shake the guy and then land on him. Um, elephants that go nuts at the circus, you know, we've, we've kind of seen it all. And this isn't a PETA stance in any way. It's just a what are you thinking, Charles Oliveira stance. You know, because that stuff's happening wherever it's happening. It's obvious, you know, that we can't stop it. We can share our opinion. I, I I never thought much of it until I got a little older. And, yeah, if the animal animal suffering, then I'm on board. Don't do it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, Goes. You could tell he wasn't too excited. He did it. And, you know, he was holding on to that leash or whatever the hell that thing was, you know, 
you could see the trepidation in his in his face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, getting old sucks. I uh, I used to go to theme parks and say, "Take me to your worst ride," and ride it like twenty times in one day, and not even have a thought of something going wrong. But see, you got to remember back then, if something did go wrong, you had to either read about it in the newspaper or hear about it in on the news broadcast. Right. And that was about it. Otherwise, it was just a story somebody told. Hey, did you hear blah, 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 right? Now with YouTube and all that stuff, dude, you're just, man, your fucking timeline is like just telling you all these different ways you could die that you just never thought of before. Like, hey, what about carnival rights, dude? Orange County Fair? Have you ever seen them them bozos that put them rides together and what they're doing when they're taking your ticket? Oh, man, I can't believe we went on some of those rides. But, yeah, I walk on a lion. I remember Fight fight Girls, is that what it was called, with Felice Herrig and Gina Carano and Bobby yeah. Hottie. So they, they took pictures with tigers, and uh, they kind of, like, snuggled up on them and all that. But I remember one of them. I don't know if it was Lisa King or Felice said they were kind of, like, sedated. Even mm. that would kind of scare me. But that lion did not look sedated, right? He was just trotting along. Yeah, he sure was. And you got me thinking about what changed. And what changed was cable TV. Because you're right. If an incident took place in Marineland, San Pedro, for those that grew up in L.A. and didn't know that, that's right. There was a Marineland up until about probably the mid-'80s or something like that. And then its big rival, the one we all know about, SeaWorld in San Diego. And they've had their incidents. But if it happened, then ABC, NBC, CBS, the affiliate in San Diego might have it. And I suppose if it was maybe a big story, they might send it to the other affiliates. But it kind of, your news stuck to your news. Uh, so let's say the San Diego Tribune, I think, is a paper. You open that up, the story might be in there. But if you're opening up the LA Times, well, you don't know what happened. And if you didn't tune into that night's, uh, LA news, for example, where Goes and I were, and if for some reason away, we, you know, we we only watch sports or we turn it off after after sports, we may not even hear about that. But then once cable TV came and we could all kind of access each other's news, that's when the world started changing. And then Bob Saget's show too, man, you know, where people getting jacked up, send in the video, like that was another that that was another eye opener where we find out crazy shit happens all over the world. And then, of course, the internet that that really, really changed the ball game. There used to be one other thing too. You'd have your local news, and then they would have world news. But world news was more like um, in Italy they have a new president. Meet, you know, we'll call him Roberto Baggio. You know, who is a lawyer and he campaigned on the promise of feeding the poor you know and they would show a few images and some video and he's being sworn in and then they might say in france um we had an avalanche you know and then they you know might show that and you know just a couple things 30 minutes that's it like i guess i i, I wouldn't say none of us gave a fuck but we didn't go back to school really talking too much about that you kind of just talked about what happened around you but yeah cable tv man that came around that changed that 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 was a game changer. That and then TV shows and then the internet. I will tell. I'll give you a teaser. You may remember this, but I don't, I don't know. I will tell an epic story 
of uh, something that happened to me with local news television on our Triple G show one day. Because it, it will probably take me about 30 or 40 minutes to tell this story. Is that happened. when you and Woody were at the park when some guy drowned and you guys were in the back making faces or something like that? Or? No, well, no, no, not that. Uh, I think you guys didn't know the severity of what had happened, but a CBS truck was there and you guys. Well, nobody knew what was going on. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's a couple uh, involving the news, but uh, I, I will tell that story on our Triple G show. So if you guys want to sign up for our Patreon to hear that, I promise you it will be worth it. Um, but, oh man, I was gonna tell you something else about the news. Now I don't remember, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just walking with lions does not sound like a good idea to me. Yeah, and how about Alexander Volkanovsky? He recovered from his broken bone in his hand. I don't even know if I want to call it a broken hand or broken bone, but whatever it was, he recovered, did a camp. He's flying to Abu Dhabi, he's in Abu Dhabi, and he says he's ready to step in in case. Either one of the two participants don't make 155 pounds. The only problem is Benil Daru says that same that same spot has been promised to him. What do you think is going to happen? I think it's ridiculous that they even got to that point. Okay, Benil Darius, my heart broke when I heard his quote because he basically said I was told the same thing, you know, and I don't understand how the second that comes out. The UFC doesn't pick up the phone and say, hey, either Volkanovsky's lying or this was just a joke or something. But to be in the dark about something that major is just crazy to me. And it's almost become second nature for some of these UFC fighters. Uh, but you would imagine Benio would, would just be that first choice. I think the last time we spoke to him, he said he would do it, but he was he wouldn't be too thrilled about doing it, right? Something like that. Yeah. Well, I don't remember exactly because we did maybe two or three interviews with Benil Darius, where 20 minutes later, the news, the whole news landscape changed around the, the what was happening with Benil Darius. So I can't even keep track of what was happening. A few of them were useless interviews in a way. The chats with him are always a blast, but I just remember a couple where we were like, well, what are we going to do with that? Like, literally 20 minutes later, an hour later, news was changing. But, yes, I, he, he definitely wanted that part. He was going to weigh in at 155 just in case. But, yeah, I think the sooner he finds out, the better. His manager is one of the guys that's definitely in tune with the UFC, communicates with the UFC, and that's Ali Abdelaziz. First thing I do is ask Ali, find out for me. First of all, go to bat for me, make it, make sure I'm the guy. But if I'm not the guy, at least find out so that I can just kind of forget about that. I mean, to be fair, there's a good chance Benil Dariush really, really maybe even imported somebody that is similar to Charles Oliveira. You know, long, lanky frame, great jujitsu. He may have spent a little bit of his time focusing on if I were to fight this guy, if I were to fight that guy. And, of course, I got my own opponent. Maybe not. I don't know. But regardless... You definitely don't want that weighing on your mind. I just remembered what the other uh, news story was. Uh, hear me out. This is going to sound ridiculous, but do you remember the time you was you were on the news with John Stamos at Disneyland? <laughs> <laughs> Remind me what that was. Dude, about. I can't believe I uttered the sentence today. I think I who did I tell? Was it Rodney? Um, th there's a new show on Disney Plus that has John Stamos. 
And and I, I I think I told Riley, I go, did I ever tell you we used to go to Disneyland with this guy? And he's like, how could you forget to ever say that? And so we had this this family friends that were friends with him. And it was just so easy to go to Disneyland. But one night, I don't know what interviewing people about outside. The mirrors? Yeah. But they were interviewing. Uh, it might have had to do with the, the Main Street Parade or something. And somehow you... And then one of them got interviewed about it. And you guys gave like a dumb answer. I can't remember, but it was really quick. But John Stamos is right there too. And then it turned out John Stamos became John Stamos. But but yeah, that was another, uh, man, there's a, like a lot of weird things that have happened on, on news with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that story is actually dear to me because um, she's no longer with us. She was a good friend of mine back in the day. Uh, my age, same same year and all that. We had a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, Disneyland was totally different. Heck, that's when Juliet was actually performing. We, we've kind of done the math, and that's when she was doing her thing. My buddy Keith Cunningham, that's when he was performing. And if he wasn't performing, he was driving floats, and he used to tell me stories about how, how he ran into people or whatever. And uh, Disneyland was like... I think way different back then than it was now, especially for teenagers and young adults. They had a nightclub there. A lot of people don't know that. Videopolis. You know, so a lot of people would just go for the club. And then when you're done with the club, like, let's just say you weren't feeling the club. Hey, let's go ride Matterhorn. I mean, where, where else can you do that? You can't go to any other club and and exit the club and just ride Matterhorn. And then when you're done with Matterhorn, go back to the club to see if it's fresh again. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. So... What, 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 quick prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Is it Alex or, or Benil? I think it's Alex, um, but I don't think they'll need him. What do you think of this whole Kevin Holland was just goofing about? He's fighting Stephen Thompson. By the way, Daniel Cormier says that's probably a reward for Holland, you know, someone that will stand. Uh, it's a solid take. I understand that. But I think we all kind of knew Holland was goofing. I don't think anyone took him serious, to tell you the truth. I mean, you got to kind of take him serious to a certain extent. He's a human being that's saying something. I mean, but yeah, I think we all felt like, I mean, think about how many, how many fighters have really retired and stayed away. There's not that many of them. Like they all usually come back eventually. And Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, just the heat of the moment type thing, but he'll be back. But see, that's like, those are the type of things that I find unfair those type of type of jokes, right? Like you can't go, oh man, my mom died. That's why I'm I'm kind of down today. And then when people go, oh, are you okay? You can't go, ah, stupid. Uh, my mom didn't die. Like you kind of have to react that way, especially in our business. If somebody mm-hmm. says they retire, we can't go, nah, come on, quit pulling around. You kind of got to ask the next questions, you know, about, you can't just do that. So, I mean, okay, you got us, but you really didn't. I don't even know how to handle that. I'll tell you this, he didn't get me. I didn't think I, I don't even think there was one percent of me that thought it was for real. Yeah. Yeah, I just he seems like kind of a little bit of a court gesture. And I mean that in complimentary. Now I know court gestures are usually looked at as clowns or whatever, but I, I am seriously entertained by Kevin Holland. If there's a story that involves Kevin Holland, I'm clicking it, I'm sharing it. I I, I think he's pretty cool, I think he's pretty funny. 
um, his approach to the fight game, like he literally like is not, he doesn't seem to fear anyone. Um, he just goes out there and does it. I think he knows the worst thing that's going to happen is eh, some lumps, some bruises, you know, but um, I'm glad he's made some good money and he's had a chance. And especially after that, you know, horrific first attempt at Dana White contender series where he won, but he was so good and he climbed around so much that he didn't get picked. Too bad he wasn't on this season. He would have got picked easily. Um, everyone gets a car this year. But anyway, Frankie Edgar, he's going to retire after his next, fight, his next fight. He's got, what, Chris Gutierrez or something like that mm-hmm. in, at the card in New York. Do you think that one will stick? That'll be it? I think so for him, yeah. He, he doesn't strike me as somebody that uh, that fools around like that. I mean, it's so hard to say because, like, look at Marlon Marias. Like, he's about as – not as serious as they get, but uh, when he says something, you you tend to think he put some thought behind it. And look how quick he's back. But Frankie Edgar, yeah, last couple fights, just uh, I mean, you can't get rid of that image, right, of him getting kicked in the in the or sorry, knee in the in the head. And I, I think it is time for him to go. I, I think this one will will stick. Think about all that time he spent in the octagon. He's got like six hours worth of fight time, all the training camps, his age, the weight cuts. Although on that side, I guess it hasn't been as bad. Um, you know, most of his career was at 55, but it was nice to see that he's picked a date and the date's not that far away. So, you know, we'll talk more about that when we get to it. One last story here, and I think we're going to be ready to go with Luke Rockhold here in just a second. TJ Dillashaw plans to show Aljamain Sterling what Division One wrestling is all about. Says, I'm not feeling the threat. He points to the fact that Aljamain Sterling has had a lot of uh, takedown attempts just against Peter Yan alone, and only a couple of them stuck. But to be fair, those two that stuck, one was a 10-8 round, the other one was close to being a 10-8, and then he won the other one standing. So whatever it did, it did win him the title, or it did actually, um, he was already the champion, I should say, it allowed him to defend the title. But the one thing I've noticed is being a Division One wrestler, hey, man, legit. Kudos to you, especially if you had successes like being an All-American, a finalist, a champ, a defending champ, or whatever. But that didn't seem to be like – like Josh Koscheck was a national champion. Um, he didn't win the UFC title. Mark Munoz was a national Division One national champion. He didn't win a uh, UFC title. Daniel Cormier was not a D1 champion. He won UFC or two UFC titles. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so sure that uh, I'm sure it says something for your career as a high schooler and the ability to turn it into an opportunity at a D1 school. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a point he wanted to make. And guess what? You and I are talking about it. But um, I don't think it's going to matter as much, especially because the further you're away from that, I mean, both guys, especially TJ's, like, Mid to upper 30s, bro. The last time he was blasting doubles, you know, when he was young was probably 15 years. Is he really, really doing that? You know, I don't know. That's that's what some of the the wrestlers used to tell me. Like, man, that's a whole different other guy. You know, my I got neck problems, back problems. Sure, I did it. Yes, the grind is there, the mental game's there, but what I used to be able to do to in college isn't as easy to do now. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um when it comes to Aljamain Sterling, he's kind of like Charles Oliveira. 
where I hate doubting them, but sometimes there's just things that that make you want to do it. And I just honestly, I just feel like TJ Dillashaw is a bad matchup for him. I just think he's a really, really bad matchup. He he gets off very quickly in rounds, and I feel like he's going to make Aljamain fight from from behind. And I don't know that that's going to be good for Aljamain. Like, I think he's going to have to change his fighting style for TJ. Um, so I actually see TJ having some success here, which I hate to say because I don't want to doubt Aljamain Sterling because I, I think he deserves more credit than he gets. You know, Peter Yawn, for not having been a Division One wrestler, he's really hard to take down. So's Jose Aldo. They're really hard to take down, but they um, they've had great careers. But yeah, we're getting closer to the fight. I guess we chatted enough about it. How about this, um, Luke Rockhold? The dude uh, gave us one heck of a fight. You know what? Third week in August. We had this is the first chance we got to catch up with him, but um, he's with us now. Let's uh, let's talk to old Luke Rockhold and see what's next for him. We'll be back with the former Strikeforce and UFC middleweight champ. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another MMA superstar. This time we get to sit down and talk to former Strike Force and UFC middleweight champion, uh, former middleweight champion, Luke Rockhold. What's up, Luke? How are you? I'm doing well. Just kicking it. Enjoying you know the you, A lot of people. Not too many people can boast about having won two major belts. I hope you just sit back and think about that every once in a while, you know, not just let it go to the wayside. That's really, really impressive. I appreciate it. Um, I, you know, it feels good. It feels good and uh, feels right. Like I always say, you know, I mean, like a lot of people feel like they're lucky to be in the situation they've been in or where they're at in life, but um, everything feels pretty good. It feels about right. Right. So I want to start off with this. First of all, that fight, the courage you showed, the, um, like the uh, passion, I mean, man, I, I want, I, I probably stood up and and applauded. Like, and I was just at home; there wasn't people around me or nothing. But I was like, "Look at this dude! Like, that is some digging deep of heart and resilience that you showed. Um, one of the most impressive things I've seen in an MMA fight. So, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of that. You probably felt that type of love, but that was really something special. I appreciate it very much. You know, it's been a long journey. You know, and that, that comes out at the end of it, you know, especially when you've been kind of mistreated, I guess. And all those years off were kind of like part of that, you know, a lot of injuries and different things where I, I felt like I was disrespected. So it was like coming back with a purpose, coming back for myself and doing it right. That was, that was, came out, you know, so it wasn't exactly my ideal performance. You know, it didn't, you know, it wasn't first it was supposed to fight in Vegas. Then we we're supposed to fight in Dallas. Then we we're supposed to then we get transitioned. He kept pushing it back. And I didn't really like take into account Utah and the, the altitude, how bad it would be. But not only that, breaking my nose in the first punch of the fight too, just start sucking blood. That's uh breathing blood. It's not a, it's not, a, not exactly a, a helping situation for the climate. Did you watch the fight and, um, what what did you think of it of it like in terms of what I was talking about 
because like I say, man, we, you know, we tune into fights every week, man, whether it's UFC belts or one championship PFL. And sometimes they're just carbon copy blueprints of other ones. This guy wins one round, the next guy wins the next round, and then boom, someone takes the last one. Or sometimes someone gets starches in the first. Someone gets submitted really quick. And we've seen them all, right? But yeah. this fight, like I say, just had these intangibles. We are like, what the fuck? Like, what are we watching here? <laughs> Put my hands away. He kept breaking my nose. I was just like, fucking cut. He kept breaking. He broke my nose first punch, then he took me down. Like, right after he broke my nose. And so I was like, I remember I was like trying to like, I was all, my equilibrium was off. I was like, what is going on right now? I couldn't like really grapple and hold on. I was like, just trying to find myself. And then uh, I was like, why am I not working right now? What's wrong with my body? And then uh, once as I got up, I was like, it started to hit me a little bit. And then he kept punching me in the fucking nose. Kept breaking my nose. Every time after that, he just, every time he'd hit me, my nose would shift. And I'd be like, fuck. I'd be like, stay over there, dude. I'm fucking tired. Then I hit him and he come back at me. I hit him and he fucking I started to get tired. The fight's a fight, man. It's a fucking it's the it's a beautiful thing about it. You may have already answered one of my questions. I've watched a lot of your fights, if not all of them, and I've never known you to to tire earlier in a fight. But what so it was altitude and uh not being able to breathe correctly that kind of had you a little slowing down a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things, man. I I mean I'm like I said. I'm fucking getting old and, and I like, I, I had torn some cartilage about eight weeks out working with actually Kamaru. Um, I mean like a little body shot. It's just a, just annoying annoyance, you know, to start your training camp. And, uh, and then I pulled something over here, you know, so you're kind of pushing and pulling and I wasn't able to like to, to get actually as prepared as I would like to be, you know, it was a long training camp and seven months, you know, six, seven months. And, uh, so things held me back, and you know I was in decent shape. I was I was good enough to go, but I knew I had to be conservative, you know. And the whole game plan was to be conservative in there, and you know, fighting Paul Acosta, the guy just kind of runs forward, you know, like he's a monster. He's a fucking pussy, is what he is. But um, yeah, he came and he caught me with like, caught me good. And I was kind of like, you know, it's been a long time off, and trying to get my, you know, trying to get the rust off and feel feel the flow, and. uh snapping my nose in the beginning and then getting then taking me down which i didn't expect so a lot of things kind of just accumulated the the situation but um i knew i'd i knew i'd i knew i was ready to fight you know mentally maybe not physically but mentally i was ready so that was i guess what came luke so i don't know if you're aware of this because sometimes it doesn't hit fighters but the inspiration that was created from your performance from the words you spoke even before the fight, um, have you soaked any of that in? And, and what does it feel like today waking up as a mixed martial artist, as a man? What's your mindset right now um, going forward? I mean, it feels right. I mean, it feels, you know, you, you live your truth and the truth comes out. That's the thing. It's like when you live for other people's truths, then the fucking, then you hit, you, in this game, the truth, is going to come to surface and uh, you can't hide who you are. And so it's like, if you do it for the wrong reasons, it's going to show if you do it for the right reasons and you do everything you can in your power to be there mentally, you know, even physically, I mean, it's, it's going to come, it's, it should show. And, uh, you know, I just stayed true to form and I was stay true to myself. You know, I kind of like, I had to check myself cause I kind of lost myself. Once I won the title, it was like, you know, it's not about, you know, winning anymore. It's about making money and it's about, what everybody else wants you to be 
and so I kind of fell into that, I guess, just trying to make money and trying to like play everyone's play the role that society wanted for me. And uh, I came out looking like a bitch. I fucked up. I fucked yeah. up. But you know, it's uh, I don't, I wouldn't change it. It's part of my career, and it is what it is. And I found it, you know, finding finding love for it back again. You kind of shift your focus once you get to the top of the mountain. I was already Strike Force champion, and I was like, I knew that people were disrespecting me, and I still needed to go prove myself. But then I. I reached that pinnacle of the mountain. Then it was just like, like you get this like letdown of, you know, and, and, and you just kind of, a, it was a shift, a focus shift for, you know, it was like, what's next? What's next? It's like, what, what else can I do? You know, but um, the time off made me realize what I love the most and what I'm the best at is, and what brings the best out of me is fighting and just being in the gym. It's the creative and business and every, everything else. I build from from that that's uh, training Luke so you you talk about how much you love fighting and I just want to clarify one thing is it always MMA will there ever be any venture out into any is there any other kind of combat sport that ever uh, do at all or, or anything like that um I, I love physical stress no doubt I love a testament of, of one's character I think that's what the world's missing these days is you know people you know, reaching those those healthy stresses and maybe not so healthy stresses sometimes, but adversity, discomfort, that shows you who you really fucking are. And uh, when you get away from it, for, for someone who who was born into it and got away from it for as long as I did, I kind of lost myself, and it was it was good to kind of dig it back up. Um, I will definitely continue to chase my adversity and my discomfort. Uh, I'm not opposed to boxing, you know, it's like my legs need a fucking break. So, I mean, if, if there's some, some interesting boxing matches for the right, you know, the right people and the right promotion, I don't want to, I'm not trying to dance around, but I, I like to test myself, you know, and, and, and the new ventures are always, are always great. Even old ventures. I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, I can't even completely shut the door on, on mixed martial arts, but um, I definitely, I'm enjoying the boxing. I feel like I'm getting better. And uh, yeah, who knows? You know, I just want to, I really want to take a break. My legs are so destroyed from kicking and and a lot of things. It's just, it's going to be nice just to get in the gym and just box and, and uh, work on, work on like correctives of life. You know, I've had so many surgeries and so many things. So it's like learning the body, learning the corrective efforts of life, the balance. That's that's uh what's what I'm kind of most into now, I guess. You know, we talked about uh, the inspiration and what a lot of people have learned from you. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to do that all on by yourself. Can you maybe share? Is there anybody in your life, another fighter, friend, family, uh, anybody that kind of inspired you and and maybe helped you on this journey? I mean, there's always people along the journey, um, every step of the way that that, that kind of fill roles in your life. Um, there's, 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 there's too many of them, man. I mean, really, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of, as, as much as people want to say about LA and, you know, Los Angeles and Southern California, about how fake it is. There's, there's a, there's a lot of fake people, but there's a couple, there's a few true, like artistic, creative people that are fucking special. And when you have creative and artistic people, you have a whole mess of people that fake it and want to be like those people. And that's what the presumption of the society builds is these fake ass people that want to be those, those tiny little percent of people. And I'm fortunate enough to meet 
those tiny percents and uh, the masters of their craft of different realms and, and learning from them and getting inspiration and, and uh, drawing from a lot of those people. And then I mean, being in the gym and getting that, that energy from Perillo and, and Chito and even Mackenzie, you know, getting back to like a small culture of fighting, not being messed up in a big gym and or being where I don't want to be, like which, which has been Florida, which is where I don't belong. You know, I took took the love out of it for me, and you know, and, and getting in there and kind of drawing little game plans and, and just create, you know, being able to figure out, you know, what what makes you you, what makes you a better fighter, what makes you uh, what makes it all fun in life. So, Luke, we've also talked to uh, we talked to Javier Mendez, and you know, the theme was he's you know had a lot of champions in his gym at AKA where you spent some time. Um, and he said, you know, the question he would have is, you know, why would you want to come back if you were to come back? Is it, the, you know, is it more financial, the passion or what? And then we've heard DC, you know, say, hey, maybe Luke, he's done it all, you know, in this sport, maybe submission grappling. Um, I don't think anyone says it with any intent to ever hurt you if that's not what you want to hear. But speaking on retirement again, and like, I started by saying what you've accomplished is already pretty amazing. If you were to come back, why is it? Because we can see it now. And before the interview started, you kind of gave us a little tour. You, you have a fat pad in a great city in SoCal. The accomplishments are there. You know, like, so is it now just something you have to prove to yourself that, you know, you you want to go out on your own way? Is it, a, is it a paycheck? Is it just the passion for punching someone in the face? What is it, I guess, the number one driver if you were to come back? Test, test of life. When we start, when we lose our tests of life, we lose ourselves. And so it's like, you know, what is, what is, what do you want? What is the test, and what draws you? What creates you? What inspires you? Fighting fucking still inspires me, you know. And and just the betterment of my body of staying healthy, you know. When I'm in the gym and I'm fighting, it's like I have to learn how to be a better athlete. You know, I think I want to be as animalistic as possible. You know, I love. I love my body and I want to fucking make it the best it can be. And I don't want to fucking torture it. And I don't want to kill it like I've, like I've done for so many years. And so it's like, you know, trying to find the best version of yourself. Uh, fighting happens to bring that out of me. So, and it, and it helps me and inspires me to, to do other things, other forms of business and, and life and see where I go afterwards, you know. But at the same time, I'm still better. I mean, I, I got some, I got some problems and some things I need to figure out for sure. Energy and and just get my body healthy so I could get to that point to where I don't get tired. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I can still beat the best and and taking the time off, I wasted a lot of time, and so it's just like you know, just see where, see how good I can get my body, and how crazy of an athlete and how sick of a fuck I can be. <laughs> I just love. It. I like I like fighting, and uh, yeah. I like pushing my body to the limit. I want I want to see like you know, and I want to continue. I don't want to deteriorate. When you when you give up, your body just deteriorates, and we die that much faster. I'm not looking to die anytime soon. I want to be fucking 80 years old like this. You know, it's like I want to fucking fly. I want to mm -hmm. do it all for fucking life until till the end. And so, uh, what keeps me going? What keeps me motivated to to do workouts is fighting is to test myself, not just to be in peak physical shape. But I mean, like, what's the point of being peak physical shape if you can't have something to test yourself with? 
Hmm. Okay. Well, no, no one's ever going to question you. I mean, like I say, and as far as the savagery, you don't have to prove that to us. All that blood licking or or rubbing that you did, holy cow. Uh, I, I think even poor Goes had to run into the restroom because he was like, what the hell is happening right now? It, it looked like uh, Science of the Lions. I thought you were going to bite his face or something, but <laughs> that was nuts. He was talking shit. He was talking shit, and I was just like, fuck. I'd like... I was not impressed by this kid at all. You know, I think I beat him any day of the week, really, with the, with the good, you know, with the right things. Did you taste the blood and the secret juice coming out as well, or just that secret juice he keeps talking about? He's an idiot. I like, he's a fucking idiot. Secret juice. People just need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, I remember, yeah, I remember. I was, I was like, well, I mean, if, if you're in a fight to the death and you're, you're running out of time and the guy's holding you like a bitch, and he's, just, he's just holding on for time. Cause that's what it felt like he was doing. He's like, you know, I win this, you know, I win this. And I was like, I'm out there trying to fucking win a, like finish a motherfucker. And he's just trying to win by points. I felt like, and he, and he always like vocalized that to me. And I was just like, I was just so tired. You know, I was like, how do I knock this guy out? I was like, I'm going to throw a, ro- a tornado kick, you know, try to knock him out in the head. I was like, everything I was thinking about is how I could fucking put him to sleep. That's all I could think about, you know, how I could get on top, how I could finish him, how I could. And he's just, you know, some people play a different game. Um, yeah last thing so not not to push this whole thing um as far as the the challenging yourself and physical but as tom brady's even proved you can only do it to a certain point could it be like maybe you and bell grill bear grills could do a show and they a helicopter drops you off in the arctic and you got to walk back to state of washington or so could you challenge yourself in maybe other ways um because like you said that you know Fake though, I'm pretty sure he's been fucking pulled. He's been pulled out of the fucking gutter on his on like fake drinking piss with a fucking like a with like a <laughs> RV RV in the woods right next to him where he comes back to. It's like, nah. I everything I have to do is for real. I ain't yeah. gonna shit. I mean, if it was the right, I don't even like movies. I don't like that shit really. Uh, if it was the right thing, got to be out of this world kind of thing for. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've got, I've got some business ideas and some partners and some things we're working on. And so, I just like I just want to be able to test my body as long as I can still do this thing at the top. You know, I I can still test myself. I'm gonna find ways to test myself, and so and can and compete really. I mean, because like I I can only compete for so long, but if I can still compete right now with the best of the best in certain genres, I'm gonna still push my body to test myself and figure out what I want next. You know. Was there any personal satisfaction out of all the respect heaped on you by Dana White after the fight? Because I know things were a little contentious, and I've seen this type of setting where a fighter could possibly have their last fight. Maybe he doesn't have – maybe he has a nice thing to say, but maybe a jab. With you, dude, he really said a lot of nicely. Like, he was was at a loss for words, Luke. I mean, a lot of us were, man, for a while there because we we couldn't believe what we had witnessed. And um, But I I thought a lot of that was, you know – uh, I guess a, 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 a show of respect. I don't know if that makes up for anything else that's, that's ever happened between the UFC and you or Dana White and you, but did yeah. you at least sense that and feel that? No, I felt good. It definitely felt good to get get that respect. Um, I felt like I always deserved, but uh, I guess you got to get dirty and nasty sometimes to show people who the fuck you are. People want to like assume I'm this. People want to assume I'm that. I'm sure the polo deal didn't help. <laughs> People just 
hate me even more. You know, but like that was the thing with Dana in the first place. He's like disrespecting me when I lost the title and said, oh, "You ain't shit. You're worth this, you're worth that." I'm like, "Fuck you, dude. I'll go. I'll go make my money elsewhere. I'll like. I'll go do something." He's like, "Fuck. Fine. Go do it." And guess what? I became the face of Polo Ralph Lauren. At an internet, I had a worldwide commercial. I had fucking every airport in the world. And then Dana and fucking the UFC are like, oh, like they're like, uh, can can we give you this? Can we give you that? I did it so I could have leverage and respect. That's why I did that. You know what I mean? Not not to fucking. That was the whole point of that situation. And uh, you know, I got I got some back, but then I got a lot of disrespect from it because the the whole world is just naive and. And they paint the picture for what they what they want the world to believe, and so. Well, that kind of Box. sucks to hear that it went that, that it went down like that. Um, <laughs> you definitely didn't deserve something like that. Uh, anyway, well, listen, it's great catching up with you, and um, get healthy, you know. And whatever your next move is, man, we're here to cover it. MMA Junkie Radio, just like we have all the way back to the early Strike Force days when nobody knew who the heck you were. And before you won your two major titles and the, did the polo thing and the red carpets and shit, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff. You lived a good life so far. Life, life is just getting better. I'm just getting better. So something's gonna happen. Something's right. gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get nasty soon. Sometime soon. Something something's going on. <laughs> Thanks for the time today, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Kind of an idiot goes because really I should have worn one of my polo shirts while we had him on, even though he's no longer with polo, but still. Yeah. Yeah. We dropped the ball on that one. What do you think? Is he going to fight again? I think so. Yeah. Some sort of combat, right? Um, But I don't, you know, he's 37. I think he's going to be 38 in about five days. He doesn't really seem to be out of shape but that doesn't mean your body can't be broken down which it appears that he's hinted at like you know my legs and things like that um i don't think he needs to ever fight again to add to the legacy but apparently that's just something that he loves to do and that's the point that came across is i just love to do this and i guess if they're going to pay him to do it good for him but you, you saw the apartment's nice. You know what area he lives in. That's not cheap. And, oh. you you know, some of the stuff he was sharing with us on the business end where some of us would be jumping at those opportunities and he's kind of, you know, putting some off to the wayside. That leads me to believe that financially he's, he's actually probably in a good spot. So maybe it's not even for the money. I mean, it's funny because the places he chooses to live are some of the most expensive in the United States. He pulls it off. He's done a lot of cool stuff. I think he's got one more in him, but I think it's got to be the right type of fight. He fought the best Paulo Costa I've seen in a while, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did kind of disagree with him a little bit on that point about uh, underestimating the altitude in Utah because Costa had to fight in it, too. You know, that's the thing. And I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Um, Aspen Ladd has her debut all set now. We talked to her coach, Jim West, and we knew she was going to be fighting November 25th at PFL 10 Finals 2022. That's also not only their uh, their championship night, as they kind of used to call it you know, on the streets, I guess. It's their first pay-per-view. 
it has their title fights, but they now have Ladd versus Julia Budd, which is a solid matchup of two 145-pounders, or at least that's what Ladd is now. And then on the men's side, same thing. Marias used to fight at Bantamweight. He's going to be fighting at Featherweight, 145 pounds versus Shane Burgos. Between those two matchups and six title fights, bro, you got to give the PFL a chance and hand over that cash. Yeah, at least once, right? Um, the burgos Marias fight is a good one. I don't see that getting out of round one or two. That one's going to have a stoppage. And then I like the slab fight. Um, and then when you just mix everything else in, the, the intrigue of the whole night, yeah, why not? What do you think of Daniel Cormier and his comment? You know, he's picking fights everywhere, dude. Masvidal, Nate Diaz. He has something for you know for everybody, right? Well, he said Juliana Pena's work, quote, hasn't warranted an immediate rematch versus Amanda Nunes. Guess what, goes? I agree with that, and I think you do too. Yeah. Because Amanda blitzed her in the second fight. And so that led us to believe, you know what? The first one was not a miracle. It was an, it was an upset. I think upset's the right word. Um, and so it, it is 1-1, but Amanda just looked like the better fighter across what they've had seven, six and a half rounds that they've shared. I think, I think, I think Juliana finished her in the second round. So, you know, Amanda's kind of proven that she's better. Also, Amanda's had a way more brilliant record than Juliana's. Now, Juliana isn't, she hasn't, you know, had a bad record in the UFC. I think she's like six and two or something like that, which is a really pretty good record in, you know, in, in the UFC. But that last fight kind of led me to believe, like, if we're going to see a trilogy, some other stuff has to go down first. The best comparison for me is, uh, Nobody really asked for GSP Sarah uh, three, right? Just kind of yeah. ended there. Um, I'm not saying that they should never fight again. I just don't think it needs to happen right away. Yeah, and you know what's unfair is yeah. Matt Sarah did what he what what he said he was going to do. He's I'm going to knock out GSP, and he did. And then Juliana Pena actually finished Amanda Nunes. You know. The other two took beatings, and I think GSP did get a finish over Matt Sarah in round four or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Amanda Nunes went all the way to the end with with uh, Juliana Pena. So, you know how a lot of times you've said they're 1-1, one, one, but one guy got a finish or one guy got a finish, but yet in this case, we're mm-hmm. still of the feeling like we're not in a rush to see it. Yeah. Now, I guess I've said that before with, uh, with Connor and Nate. But that was one where even the judges weren't really sure, you know, like even that part. This one was just clear. We knew who won that fight. How about this matchup before we go? Jan Blahovich versus Magomed Ankalaev set for UFC 282 December 12th here in Las Vegas. That's legit. Yeah, that one's a tough one. That, that is, I'd love to see what the odds are going to be on something like that. Um, but it's a good matchup. It's fun. Yeah, I like it. We still feel like there's like more matchups coming for that fight card. That's the last pay-per-view of the year. It's here in Las Vegas. At one point we were holding our breath, hoping it could be, you know, the return of Francis Ngannou. But from what I'm hearing, Ngannou's not coming back till next year. We know there's a Glover Teixeira, I believe, versus um, the Yuri Prochaska fight that I think is, has been rumored. I don't know that it's not official. Maybe that's what will wind up being 
the main event. And what sucks is name wise, I don't know that you sell a, a large gate and a lot of pay-per-views off it, but competition wise, that might've been the most exciting fight of the year. Yeah. That was an amazing fight back and forth. They got sloppy at times, but it was fun. Yeah. So now what you got is uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Chris Dacus. This is UFC 282 here in Las Vegas. Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. Darren Till versus Dricus Duplessis. Um, Alexander Hernandez versus Billy Quarantillo. Edmund Shabazian versus Dalcha Langyambula. Not bad. Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. I mean, it may not have like that big, massive pay-per-view name, but they're throwing a lot of talent, a lot of ranked fighters at us. OSP versus Gustafsson, Blahovich versus Ankalaev. Like, that's not bad, bro. Yeah, it's it's not got it doesn't have that matchup that really pops, but it's got decent names and it, it sounds like it would be uh pretty compelling. Yeah, I'm digging it. Anyway, I don't know how I jumped ahead. Oh, it was because of that matchup. So, listen, all that stuff is on MMA Junkies front page. You can dig into each one of these stories. That seems to be some of the biggest news that has been out there. Uh, Tied to Ivasa, he's fighting Sergey Pavlovich in Orlando on December 3rd. So, these are the final cards of the year. New York uh, in November. A few fight cards in December. The PFL has their pay-per-view the day after Thanksgiving. So uh, lots of stuff to sort out. And you can go to the schedule tab and check it out. On the schedule tab, you'll see the promotion, the card, the times, the locations, the dates, everything you want. The results page, the results tab, will tell you what happened in case you missed it. You, you blank out on what round a fight ended. You can always go there. And that's available on the free app that we have for mobile phones and tablets. So check it out. One last thing, the spinning back click, the video franchise that we've been doing for about three years that drops every Tuesday is now going to be live on Mondays. So check it out because we'll be with you starting at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific every Monday with the panel. Same thing, except we'll be live. We'll have a chat. You can participate by asking us questions. Maybe every once in a while, a guest panelist or even a guest comes in for a a, a quick spot, but it's going to be fun, and it'll be uh, about a little less than an hour, and we're really, really looking forward to it. So you can catch that at youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. In fact, subscribe to the channel because it's great. You'll see a lot of the stuff that we were talking about, including the the Cub Swanson interview. If you want to check that out, go there. Uh, legend to Legend and pre and post fight, you know, for all of the cards not just in the UFC, but Bellator and everything else that we have. Anyway, all right, we're going to get on out of here. Thanks to Luke Rockhold for his time. Thank you all for your time and for the support. We're out of here. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.